Ladies and gentlemen, family and friends from around the country and around the world, this is your host for the David Harris Jr. Show. Ladies and gentlemen, family and friends from around the country and around the world, this is your host for the David J. Harris Jr. Show. And today I am so excited and thrilled to have my guest on. He is a congressman. He is new to Congress as of just about a year and a half ago. But it's Congressman Dan Crenshaw, an absolute hero to, I believe, so many Americans that truly appreciate not only his life of service in the military, literally giving an eye for his service in the military, and now he is giving his blood, sweat, and tears to fight for us in Congress. Dan Crenshaw, thank you, my brother, so much for joining me on my show today. How are you doing? I am doing great. Thanks for having me, David. Absolutely, my brother. Well, I've been following you for a long time. I know we we got to uh, chat a little bit, I think, at SAS a year and a half ago, but I've truly appreciated you really bringing us in to the inner circle of what goes on in Congress. So many of us believe the president when he calls it the swamp, but you, however, get to witness that firsthand, and you're witnessing that this week with the absolute just debacle of the Democrats pushing back against a bill that was trying to help the American people. Just, you know, you've shared so many things. I've talked about a lot of what you're posting on Twitter, but just give us your inside information and your feelings for what's been currently taking place this week in Congress and and the Senate. Yeah. So, you know, a week ago, and even as Recent to Saturday, there was a lot of bipartisan efforts. There was a lot of hope that that this bill would move quickly. There's a lot of things in the bill that conservatives don't like for good reason, but we're willing to swallow that and get it through because people are people's businesses are going under as we speak. People are losing their jobs as we speak. People can't pay utilities and rent. When you, when you press the pause button on the economy. <laughs> You've got to have a plan in place to do that. These businesses didn't do anything wrong. This isn't like the 2008 financial crisis. So the, the outrage over bailing out industry is really unwarranted here. It's, this is a very different situation. And that outrage is mostly come from the left, but it also comes from the right. And we, 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 we've got to step back and understand the current situation. We press pause on the economy. And when we do that, we have to inject capital into those businesses so that they can survive and keep people on payroll. Again, that was going well. There was a well-designed bill that hit small businesses, large businesses, self-employed, independent contractors, trying to get as many people as possible under the umbrella of aid that is needed while we sort of hunker down during the pandemic. And then Democrats torpedoed it. Uh, Pelosi specifically torpedoed it. It, it was just Pelosi. Like, Is it like we heard that she basically just decided to hop on a plane, leave her home state of California, fly into D.C. and just basically walk in and say, nope, we're not going to go with this bill. I'm bringing my own bill. Was it was it that dastardly and, and bold on her part? As I understand it, yes, because, I mean, you know, Schumer's on the on live TV on Saturday talking about how optimistic he is. And all of a sudden he changes his tune because uh, Pelosi let him know all the threats from the progressive wing of the Democratic Party that really own that party. Let's just be honest. And and it resulted in one of the most disgusting, vile political moments in, in living memory. It, it's, it's hard to think of a more terror of a more terrible political opportunism than this. And I don't overstate things. That's that's not what I do. I don't use adjectives to like vile. I don't use those adjectives ever. 
but I use them here because it really is that bad and we can never let them forget it. And uh, we can never let voters forget what they did. I mean, as every day matters, this should have been passed a week ago, yes. not not today. Now, now, just as, as we do this, this interview, I just read a tweet by Senator Mitch McConnell says they have come to a deal. You know, what's frustrating about this is Pelosi came in with this list of demands of nonsense, progressive wish lists that had nothing to do with coronavirus. Things like I think everybody knows what those things are at this point. They've been they've funding been, for uh, Obama phones, funding for abortions, yeah. uh, regulations on yeah. airlines, uh, you know, money for foreigners. Yeah. It's Car- like you want Car- to give everybody a carbon. paycheck, whether they're a citizen or not. Yeah, carbon. Well, carbon caps. I mean, really nonsensical stuff. Minimum wage, $15 minimum wages, vast election reform. It has nothing to do with, with coronavirus. A lot of really weird, crazy stuff. As I understand it, none of that's in there now. Basically, Good. they settled on just raising the overall spending bill, you know, more money for hospitals, things like that. Just so, and, and you know why this happens. It's because Democrats got such backlash, deservedly so, that they, they just need to save face. So they need to say like they, they need to pretend like they came away with something. Oh, we got more money for hospitals. There was already plenty of money for hospitals. And yeah. if, if hospitals needed more money, we can quickly appropriate that in a supplemental appropriation. Like they, they, they're so full of it. <laughs> like they're, they're so full of it. You know, and, and so... Did you, did you have any idea before you decided, I remember you sharing that you were, you know, talking it over with your uh, beautiful wife, Tara, and said, you know, I think I should run for Congress. I think I should serve in this capacity. You guys talked about it. I think I was listening to you on Graham Allen's podcast. I uh, love that guy. And you did it and you won. And now you're in the swamp, literally. Did you have any idea that there was going to be the type of two-sidedness, vindictiveness, and, and literal just ugliness that we've witnessed, especially over this last week. Did you have any idea that that was truly happening in Washington? Yeah, I think so. I think it's exactly what I expected, uh, it is. to be honest. So this is an interesting question. I get asked it a lot. Is it what you expected? What, do you, what surprises you? And, and, and honestly, it doesn't really surprise me. To, to a large extent, people need to understand it's supposed to work this way. It's supposed to be difficult to, to get things done in a Congress like this. There's 435 very unique personalities that represent 435 unique districts. Mm. The, to, to, to think that we would all agree on things is, is crazy, frankly. It's yeah, supposed true. to move slow. It's supposed to be hard. This is this is the essence of a republic, frankly. It's supposed to be easier to manipulate economic and social conditions at a local level. You know, that, that's, that's right. the essence of our republic. It's supposed to be hard at the top levels. And so it, it shouldn't surprise people that much. What is what is frustrating, though, is the just the outright lies and spin. Again, did that surprise me though? No. I mean, I, I, I always knew that was happening. The, the, the entire background of my here's the truth videos is because I believe there's so much myth busting that needs to occur on every bill we vote for. And the last 72 hours was no different because what did Democrats come up and say? They said, oh, it's just a corporate slush fund. This, this big corporate slush fund that's just controlled by Trump and his cronies. You know, and then everybody on Twitter gets on and says, oh, yeah, the Democrats are just trying to protect us workers. Well, guess what? You're not a worker if you're not working. You're not (laughs) a worker if you're not attached to a business. You have to save the businesses to save the workers. This is a fundamental truth that Democrats refuse to believe. 
just in general, right? Like they, they're always talking about protecting workers and, you know, but, but they always, but they do it in a way that, that causes businesses to go under. And you can't be a worker if you've got no business. Exactly. So they, they, they have no idea how the economy works. They really don't because, you know, one problem with, with the Democrats in Congress is uh, very few of them come from the business community, if any. They mostly come from an activist background. Okay, because that is the essence of democratic beliefs. They, they're activists by nature. Right. And that's fine. I'm glad we have activists in this country, even if I disagree with them. That, that's the nature of democracy. But you can't put them in charge. They don't have any governing principles. They don't, they don't, they don't, they don't have decades. a structure by, by, which to, by which to govern. They have no limiting principles. They're, they're all over the place. It's chaos. Mm-hmm. And so as Republicans, you know, I often say, like, well, we need the left. I'm glad we have them. They point out things that maybe we wouldn't have seen. They, they, they you know, because they're, they're so sensitive, right? And so, and that's okay. But as far as solving the problems that they point out, we have to do it because we operate like adults and we operate within a stable governing philosophy. This is in general terms when you're asked about, well, why would I vote Republican? Well, that's why, because you're talking about a stable form of governance that it, it, it may not always feel good, but it, but it is the right way to govern. And, and we solve problems with reason instead of emotion. So that's, that's kind of how I see Washington. As far as the other swampy sort of myths that are out there and lobbyists running the show and all that, that that is not as apparent to me as people think. You know, people need to understand that, like these lobbyists and corporate PACs, it be, because of the donation limits to campaigns, they no no one PAC can control anybody. Mm-hmm. I, I just think people should understand that and know that it's just you know, it, not to mention the, these people represent large industries and very very detailed policy matters that you wouldn't know about if you didn't meet them. And these affect right. hundreds of thousands of people, millions of people at times. And so I, I don't like all the rhetoric about the swamp and all that. I never I never use that word, actually, because I don't know what it means. <laughs> I just I, I don't know what it means. Well, to, and, um, to and me, it, it's the to me, it's the two facedness. I mean, I remember going back to just listening to Hillary Clinton. She you know, got her on a hot mic or off the stage where she said, we basically say one thing on stage and then we say, we say, and we can do another thing, you know, behind closed doors. To me, that embodies the swamp individuals that are supposed to be, you know, serving the public, but yet uh, they wind up serving their own interests and patting their own pockets. To me, that's what the swamp is. And that's, that's, that does happen. (laughs) So uh, (laughs) you can definitely see that happen. And I, and I think that's an interesting point. I, I think that's why people like Trump because, you know, whether with whether you like him, love him or hate him, he he is the same in public as he is in private. You know, he is yes. he is constantly telling you what he thinks. You know, that, again, that has pros and cons to it. But the the right, the, I think that is what 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 people like. And you yeah, would know because so you probably see him behind the scenes more than the average uh, Joe does. Yeah, yeah, he's the same. It's the same. It's the same. So <laughs> as, as, he is, as he is performing in public. So, and I think people like that. And I'd like to think I'm the same as well. And I don't, well, I, don't I can vouch for different. you. I, well, yeah. Thank you. I, we've we've um, hung out I, outside of, uh, you know, that. being on stages and stuff and you're a very genuine, authentic individual. I really appreciate your heart and spirit and, uh, and passion to serve our country. I appreciate that. And, and I will say this, that this is something that people don't hear often enough, too, which is the reason why politicians 
say one thing in public, but then talk about it differently in private. And, and the reason is, is, is not because it's because they've been trained to trained by mm. who, not by corporations, not by lobbyists, not by their fellow politicians. They've been trained by the people. They've been trained mm. by the people because the people are so quick to judge and so quick to backlash and so quick to jump on Facebook and Twitter and just rage on you. Let me, let me give you a a perfect example. You can't talk about social security and entitlements. You just can't. I do it all the time because I feel like I need to represent my generation and these programs are going to make us go broke. But as soon as you talk about them, everybody jumps on you and says, no, you can't take away. I didn't, you know, I paid into whatever. Every conservative, every liberal, it doesn't matter who it is. The mm. people don't give you the space to be nuanced. And, and, I, and I've dealt with this on the right and the left. We need to give each other space to be nuanced and to be thoughtful. And, and, and politicians realize that when they try to do that, they get punished by the mm. people. Wow. And, and, and so this is, this is an us problem. It's not, a, it's not a swamp problem. This is an American problem. We yeah. have to be better. We have to be deeper in our thinking and we have to stop and count to 10, just like your mom taught you. And think about what you're reacting to. Don't engage in, in emotional reactions. You know, and, and this coronavirus thing is like the, the perfect example of all of that. There's been a lot of quick to jump, quick to finger point, quick to repeat Chinese propaganda. Which Americans mostly came from the left and the mainstream media is left. Yeah, no, 100%. 100%. Yeah, the coronavirus situation. Absolutely. You're, you're, you're absolutely right. It's, and see, um, that's, that's another you know, case in point enough. example of a swamp, a swamp creature to me is why would we actually have any Democrat politician, any politician for that matter, regurgitating Chinese propaganda and trying to then blame things on our president? It, it, it to me, it's like it's it's like a traitor. It's treasonous. Yeah. I mean, I, I think their behavior over the last month or so has been so abhorrent. There, there's so many examples, whether it's repeating the China, you can't call it the Chinese virus because it's racist. You, you can look back at, at some Chinese state media tweets from February. You know, they started, they either started it or they perpetuated it. I mean, it, it's kind of hard to tell. I, I, I'm not sure who started. I'm, frankly, it's, it's, it's more likely that the progressive left started it. Because the Chinese aren't that creative, you know, like, but, and then the Chinese were like, oh, well, there you go. That's a good one. God, I wish yeah. we thought of that. But in any case, they, 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 they feed off of each other. The Iranian situation was the same thing. You know, Iranian state media was perpetuating every single thing the progressive left said about right. Trump, you know, starting a war. I mean, I, I just wrote an op-ed about this that was, uh, on, it was published in Fox, foxnews.com. Uh, kind of talking about China, about the propaganda machines and how it's up to us as Americans to think before we share. Think before you share. Absolutely. No matter what you're sharing, no matter what you're sharing, you know yes. it, it's again. And, and, and this is conservative audience, so I always have to speak to conservatives on this. You know, the left does this, right? But let's look inward too. Let's look inward too. Conservatives are always looking for a reason to feel like their fellow conservatives betrayed them. I see this mm. all the time. We shouldn't be that paranoid all the time. You know, like just, again, we've got to think before we share. Think before we share. It's not, not everybody's out to betray you. (laughs) But I, but I, but I see that, but I see that all the time. Yeah. I think that unfortunately there's a lot too much of that. Let me ask you this. What, where do you think, I, I don't know if you have any intel on this or if it's more instinct or more an idea, 
But where and why do you think that this virus even started or was or started spreading out of China? You think it was the bat eating, you know, propaganda, I believe. You think it was just somebody eating bats? Do you think it was an accidental leak at the Wuhan laboratory there? Do you think it was intentional? Yeah. What are your thoughts on any of that? I mean, I think the most likely scenario is that it, it really is from these disgusting wet markets that they have there. Because uh, I've also heard our own CDC officials say that as, as they study the whatever, the, the nature of this virus, that it, it doesn't appear to be man-made, that it does appear to have evolved in nature. I mean, these, these wet markets are, are unbelievable. I mean, they're just unbelievable. They're, they're all raw meat just being slaughtered right there. The most exotic animals you can imagine. Um, a lot of these animals being major carriers of disease. There's a reason we think bats are gross, right. like as, as an edible thing, right? Like, like it's yeah. in our nature. Like I was never taught that bats are gross. I didn't have a class on bats being gross to eat. It just yeah. doesn't feel right to me. Like there's something inside of us that, that, that says that. Now, for, for some well, reason, correlate with Dracula in some cultures. Yeah, and, correlate and with Dracula. And so they're, they're that's disease carriers. <laughs> yeah, it's um, bats, snakes, you know, the, the, these things. And so, but I, I mean, the short answer is I don't know. <laughs> I heard an interesting theory uh, from a friend of mine, one of my, one of my uh, last guests, actually the guy that was responsible for really getting Jeffrey Epstein, holding him accountable, mm -hmm. uh, Mike Cernovich. He said, because there is a Wuhan Institute, laboratory institute that is able to handle level four bio viruses, that they, they use bats, they use animals when they're creating their whatever, or when they're dealing with these specimens, mm -hmm. and then potentially maybe instead of being contaminate instead of being uh, disposed of accurately, it was leaked into the market mm -hmm. and somebody ate it. Who knows? But yeah, it was an interesting That's take on, on it from him. So, totally possible. I, I'm not sure we'll ever know. I just have, I don't know. What are your feelings on the president? It seems like his latest turn over the last few days has been the cure can't be you know worse than the actual virus. Speaking, I believe, directly about mm -hmm. the economy and getting the economy back to work. And then even uh, this week, he shared that he believes that we could potentially get the economy back up and moving people back to work by Easter, which is April 12th. Uh, what are your feelings or thoughts on that? Um, I mean, I'm all for it. I think we need a timeline and we have to stick to it. I think our leaders just have to, uh, to, to make that judgment call. You know, there's, so there's, as, as a leader who's balancing this, this is, this is the different sides. You have the, the people on one hand, um, business owners, people losing their jobs. And on the other hand, you have public health officials who say, well, we all need to be locked down for nine months until there's a vaccine. Okay. Cause that's what your doctor always tells you. Right. Okay? Right. Like, uh, I, I'm told all the time, you need to wear polycarbonate lenses on your eyes all the time because you have one eye. All right. Well, I'm not going to do that because I'll look like a nerd. So sorry. <laughs> um, and I like this look better. <laughs> so, it does look good. Um, but it's dangerous, I guess, right? Like, don't smoke, don't drink. Uh, got it. Okay. We have to balance that because it's not realistic to shut down the economy indefinitely. So that's what the president's dealing with right now. And my, my goal is to get us on a timeline where we move from risk containment to risk mitigation to risk management. I think that's the right way to look at it. Yes. Moving from a horizontal approach to a vertical approach. What does that mean? So horizontal means we have a blanket horizontally shut down the entire economy. It's time to move to a vertical approach where we target places where there's hotspots or where we target different populations that are the most vulnerable. 
and uh, we ramp up testing rapidly and we've given ourselves time to ramp up testing rapidly, ramp up hospital capacity, ramp up production of PPE. You know, we've, we've educated the public now by now on how to interact with each other in a safe way. This is the risk mitigation strategy that we need to be doing over the next few months as we restart the economy simultaneously. And so I think that's the, uh, the, that's the right strategy. But you got to give people end dates. You have to give the businesses dates. And I think that is so important. I, I, we cannot keep going with this open-ended, hey, we're going to reassess after a few weeks. Right. Um, I think end dates are important. We're dealing with that in Houston right now. I'm telling county officials, you said April 3rd. It better be April 3rd. Be April 3rd. Okay. Right. You know, you're locking people down right now. That's fine. A week or two symptoms materialize. You should know if you're infected by that point or you will have shed it by that point and then get back to work as we ramp up public health capacity. I, I saw your video that went absolutely viral where you're in the restaurant down there, probably not too far from your home. And you were sharing some, uh, you were sharing really just what was at stake. Uh, here's the clip. We're going to watch this clip and I'd like you to talk us out of it. So I'm here at the Tin Roof in Atascacita, Texas, just outside Houston. And this place is struggling. They might have to close down. This is the kind of place that would be saved by the stimulus package that we were hoping to vote on as of yesterday. But Democrats torpedoed it. This is the kind of business that would have access to an SBA loan that would then be forgiven for rent, utilities, and payroll. That bill would have kept employees attached to their businesses. You were pretty heated, it seemed like, Dan. It seemed like you were ready to just come through the, the screen, the camera. What had you so irate in that moment right there based on what the Democrats had been doing to stall this bill? Yeah, again, I mean, we're, I was, we're, we're coming, off the, coming off the heels of one of the worst political opportunistic moments in, in decades, maybe, maybe, maybe a century. Just the, the lies, the, the opportunism, the boldness with which they acted is so disgusting and abhorrent. Because, again, yeah. these kind of political games happen all the time, you know, whether it's a spending bill or some other kind of bill. And that's fine. That's politics. You know, sometimes the federal government shuts down. But guess what? Not that many people notice when that happens. This this is different. This is an emergency. People's lives are on the line. I was sitting at a business that is a very successful barbecue joint, but they're, but they're operating on 5% margins. They, they can't right. go along without revenue. And the Democrats are screaming about big corporations. And, you know, well, those big corporations employ people that eat at that barbecue joint. Exactly. They don't have any customers because because everybody who eats there usually comes from United Airlines down the street and they're furloughing everybody. So Democrats don't understand how the economy works. They, they, they just don't know or they choose not to know. Again, a lot of them don't come from a business background, but if they do, they they're, they're so entrenched in progressive socialist thought that they they refuse to see how basic economics works and um it's it's becoming worse and worse and worse and, and this this was a this was part of that. Well, and the other thing that's really disturbing and disheartening to me, I think there's two sides of the coin, is we've got so many Americans that are believing the nonsense, that are buying the lies and that are championing the same thing and they don't get under, they don't get basic economics. But I think if they did, they wouldn't be, there wouldn't be so many Bernie supporters out there. Individuals like AOC wouldn't be getting elected. 
But the mm-hmm. other side of it, I had a, a guest that, on my show yesterday that was a 20 year Democrat and w- was so tired of the of what she felt like was just the the blatant vileness and hatred from her own party and her friends towards conservatives or towards anybody that was, you know, not aligned with their values that she at least became an ind- independent. Then with this latest just debacle with the Democrats basically just giving Americans the middle finger and saying, we want to try to get our, our issues through first uh, or along with this thing, instead of it just being about American values, she decided she's going to vote for Trump. She just came out with that. So uh, I think there's I think yeah. there's a lot of good that is coming and is happening really quick, though. I know uh, you've got a book that I cannot wait to read. It's called Fortitude. Uh, it is about mental, cultural toughness. You have it. You have it there. You can show me. Oh, well, since you asked, I wasn't expecting you to ask, but here we go. It's right here. Hey, my brother, <laughs> I cannot uh... <laughs> wait to read that book. What will somebody get out of reading that book? Give us an overview really quick. Probably not what people think. It, it's not It's not an autobiography. It is, uh, it's, it's also pretty light on politics because I, I want liberals to read this as well. I do deconstruct progressivism pretty badly in the last chapter. That's probably the most political chapter. But throughout the book, it is a diagnosis, a quick diagnosis of outrage culture, our obsession with microaggressions, our obsession with canceling people. And, and, and again, sharing before we think a lot of that. But, but I don't need to diagnose it too much because a lot of writers have already done that. So every chapter in here is a lesson in mental toughness and resilience. And that's derived from my experience in combat and the SEAL teams and training, but also a lot of psychology, a lot of pop culture, a lot of history. Uh, we get into some deep conversations. I, it's kind of a mix between Jocko Willink's Extreme Ownership and Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules for Life. That's that's wow. sort of the... the what the book is. I think people will enjoy it. It's a much easier read than 12 rules for life. It's not, you know, nobody can be <laughs> as deep as Jordan Peterson, but I think it's, I think you'll enjoy it quite a bit. It's a fun read. It's a very, it's unique too. You're, you're, you're going to, you're going to hear things that you probably haven't heard before. Love it. Well, I can't wait to read it. I know it, uh, is it, in, is it available for pre-order right now? Yeah, you can pre-order. And if you go to dancrenshawbook.com slash pre-order, you'll, you'll automatically get the um, signed book plate along with it, which I got to get working on. Got like thousands of those things I got to sign. So nice. <laughs> Dan Crenshaw book dot, dot book dot com dot com forward slash book. Dan Crenshaw book dot com slash pre-order. And also try to order from your local bookstore if you can. They're going to need help in this economic downturn. So I think that's the best thing to do. Well, I love that charge. I love that you've got your own book on your own website. That's how I did mine. Jeff Bezos doesn't need any more money with Amazon. So support your local bookstores, support Dan Crenshaw and parting words. Are we going to get our economy back on track? What is your, what is your anticipation for 2020? What do you, what are you feeling overall for this year? I, I think so. I'm, I'm optimistic. You know, the, the, the economy had great foundations already. We're going to move into again, a risk management strategy. This, the stimulus bill is, freaking enormous. So it's going to, it's going to be very helpful. And they've come to that. And, and the latest I have is that they've come to an agreement. So we're going to get that going. And when people are back to work, back to their old jobs, the, the economy is going to just skyrocket. It's going to be awesome. Yes, it is. Well, we need to make sure that we take the House, keep the Senate, and keep Donald Trump as president so that we can ensure four more years of prosperity, growth, and uh, and abundance. 
Uh, Congressman, thank you so, so much for taking some time today in your massively busy schedule as you are in there fighting for all of us. We truly applaud you and bless you and uh, and just pray God would continue to bless you and your beautiful wife this year and years to come. Thank you. Thanks, David. Thanks for having me. See you soon. My pleasure. God bless you. We'll talk soon. Friends, it's not every day that you get to speak to one of the amazing individuals that is representing our country and representing us effectively. Congressman Dan Crenshaw is that individual. There are others like him out there, but he says it like it is. He tells the truth. He's as authentic behind the scenes as he is in front of the camera. And uh, we need a lot more of individuals like Mr. Dan Crenshaw representing us in Congress, in our government. So uh, thank you so much for all of you for tuning in to this episode of the David J. Harris Jr. Show. Please share this. Send this uh, to friends, family, download it. And if you like what you hear here, give me five stars. It helps me go a long way to help share and spread this message. God bless you all. 2020 is going to turn out to be an amazing year. You heard it here first. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.